We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, you exquisite being. Just now I'm sending blessings of respect and love and compassion from my heart to yours. I hope you are receiving this, experiencing this, and feeling this. I'm so grateful that you are part of my life and the energy that is Empower Radio and Journey to Center. So today I want to talk about a very important subject, and it's not always easy, and it's rarely fun, but there is great opportunity in healing and growth, which is why I think we're here as spiritual beings having this human experience. So, you know, when an important person transitions in her life, or maybe the most important person in her life dies, everything changes. The landscape of our life is transformed. And life after such a devastating loss can be hard, scary, daunting, excruciatingly painful, and devastating. Very few know how to navigate this territory or know how to escape the throes of despair. In order to process this kind of loss and move forward, we need resources. And today, I'm honored to have with us a very wise and empowering resource. We are here with psychologist, grief expert, and widow, Sherry Cormier. Sherry's a licensed psychologist and professor emeritia at the Department of Counseling, Rehabilitation Counseling, and Counseling Psychology at the West Virginia University. She's a certified bereavement trauma specialist and engages in grief mentoring, speaking, and consulting in the areas of loss, grief, health, wellness, and stress management. Additionally, Sherry is the author of an incredible new book entitled Sweet Sorrow, Finding Enduring Wholeness After Loss and Grief. Her manuscript is part memoir and part guidebook, where she openly and honestly shares the story of living with her husband, Jay, and his diagnosis of cancer, what it was like when he died, and how she came to be present more fully in life in the years following this incredible and devastating loss. She also describes some of the surprising discoveries she's made in the last decade, including spiritual and metaphysical connections and something called post-traumatic growth. Sherry offers a number of tips from her psychological expertise about ways to grow and even thrive after traumatic loss, as well as recommendations for caregivers and helping others with deep loss. So Sherry Cormier, thank you so much for saying yes to another show with me here on Journeys to Center. Thank you for asking me to do another show. I'm <laughs> I'm thrilled. <laughs> I am too. You have uh, experienced a lot of um, challenging terrain on planet Earth, but you have come out of this on the other side as such a bright light, giving so much help and hope and leading others on a path to healing and wholeness. And again, I'm so sorry you've had to experience some of the things you have, but thank you. Thank you for saying yes to your own healing and being such a... Um, compassionate um, lighthouse of love on planet Earth. Oh, thank you so much. You know, I think in giving back, we find so much meaning, and that really is one of the cutting new edges now in grief, healing from grief and grief recovery. Um, It used to be that we, you know, it used to be, Tammy, that we talked a lot about stages of grief, you know, that someone would 
lose something. It couldn't, and it might not even be a person. It could be a person, but could be a house to a wildfire, hurricane, or a beloved job, or even a divorce. Mm-hmm. And that someone could lose something and just um, feel so bereft and not know what to do. And then we would say, well, you're going to go through these stages. But we really don't think about grief so much that way anymore. We think about grief maybe more as cyclical now than linear. So it's something that can ebb and it can flow. And it can come like the tide. It can come in and it can go out. I think of it more as like waves. And so I think that changes the landscape a little bit. And sometimes very close to the the loss or the hardship, um, the grief can feel overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And then it can recede like the tide does. And we can get kind of a breather. And then, you know, five, six years later, we'll say to ourselves, oh, my God, why am I feeling so sad again? Right. But it's because something is shifting and maybe we're going through another life transition and we revisit that grief and it comes back again, maybe in a deeper and a more intense way. I think that's how we process our grief now is sort of through this this circular process, grief almost being more like a spiral than, yeah. a, than a ladder. Yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah, you, you bring up a good point. There's oscillations and gyrations, and sometimes we think we're through it, and we we often don't know what's coming. It's like, oh, my gosh, another storm is coming, and I wasn't expecting that. So to, I think be gentle and compassionate with ourselves in the process is so vital, so mm-hmm. helpful. To, to learn to be gentle with ourselves is, is um, such an important part of the process, don't you think? Oh, it's, it is. Somebody mentioned to me this morning, that one of the hardest things they struggled with as a grief survivor was guilt. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, you know, mm-hmm. true, that I've talked with many people and they feel so much guilt and even shame um, about something that, that happened during the process of the loss, whether it was a person or, a, you know, a beloved thing. And we need to really be self compassionate and learn to forgive ourselves. Oh yes, and that's a big one. Just say, hey, I am enough. I am yeah. enough. Yeah, that's a big one to be able to accept and receive about ourselves. And I found as I've done that, there's been such a profound relief. Mm-hmm. So incredibly helpful. So Sherry, something you talk about in your book that I, I found really um, compelling and interesting and true, I hadn't considered it. Although the person we may, we loved may be gone, the relationship doesn't have to be over. Right? Can you talk more about that? Sure. Well, you know, there were a couple. There, there have been a few things that have surprised me. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things about writing "Sweet Sorrow," I and it, it sort of relates to what I said about grief sort of ebbing and flowing over time, is. I wanted to wait and write this book to give a more longitudinal idea of healing from grief and bereavement with time because I think it looks different. So many of these books are written in the immediate aftermath of a loss. And so one of the things I found, Tammy, over time is that death is really not 
a disappearance. When we lose someone to death, it's not a disappearance. It's a transition. That's the word and I we mean. still have a relationship with that person. And in the grief literature, we talk about establishing with a person we lose something that's called a continuing bond. We still are attached and bonded to the person we've lost. It's a different kind of relationship, but it doesn't mean non-existent. Oh, and that, oh my gosh, I'm getting goosebumps because I think what you're saying is so very important and it can be so helpful. I'm finding it helpful from my own um, perspective and own losses. So um, you say there's an interesting spiritual dimension and I know you talk about dreams, how we can maintain our relationship through um, a couple of different avenues. Can you talk about that? Oh, I'd I'd love to talk about this. (laughs) Yes, please. I'm so excited. I have my notebook here. I'm very excited for your words of wisdom. I I think that personally what I found was that my loved ones who have died now in the last decade decade they're they're gone from me physically but they're not gone from me spiritually or emotionally. And so I was very fortunate in that I started two weeks after my husband, Jay, Jay died, I started getting these profound visits from him in the middle of the night that would wake me up in dreams. And I'll give you a couple examples. I have a whole chapter in, in the book on this. One of them, I said to him, what is it like to die? And he said, "It's genius. just wait. <laughs> It's genius. <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> I mean, I with excitement, like, laugh. look forward to dying, right? Yeah, I love that. It made me laugh out loud when I read that. Just wait. It's genius. So, you know, and then I heard, you know, Steve Jobs, his last words before he died were, oh, wow. Mm. So I think there's a lot of mystery to this. I think that there's certainly something to be looking forward to, even though, of -hmm. course, we're all attached to life here on Earth. And the very, these are called, the dreams that I had with Jay are called visitation dreams. And Tammy, in doing research for Sweet Sorrow, I found that visitation dreams are really quite common in Mm -hmm. all cultural groups around the world. It's not... You know, it's not just confined to Americans, for example, all cultural groups. And many, many cultural groups have that have rituals to keep us connected to our loved ones. I was talking to a friend of mine this week from Germany, and she said, you know, in Germany, we go to the cemetery every week and we sit down and have a conversation heart to heart with that loved one who's passed. And she said, yet I know people in other countries who never visit the cemetery. And that's their way of establishing a continuing bond and a different, a different but yet continuing relationship with the loved one they've lost. And for me, it was in visitation dreams. And these dreams It's the person that we've loved shows up. They're usually 
very healthy in the dream. We know that from everyone. Everyone reports that. They usually show up with a message, and it's either a message for us or a message about them. Often it's a message about their journey. And I've had people say to me, oh, you know, I suddenly lost my son in an airplane accident. And right away I started getting visitation dreams and messages that he was okay. Mm-hmm. You know, he was fine and, and not for me to worry. And mm-hmm. he was doing well and he just wanted me to go ahead and live my life. And I think, you know, I found a lot of comfort in these visitation dreams because, first of all, I felt like my husband was doing well and he had healed from his cancer. He was healthy in the dreams. He was emotionally healthy and physically healthy. So I felt comforted about him. I also felt from the messages he was giving me, I felt comforted about myself, and the messages I got gave me confidence, and they gave me a sense of resilience, and I felt like he was looking out for me even though I couldn't see him anymore, and this would help me grow, and it did. So these dreams can be very, very reassuring, and they can bring great peace and great comfort to us. Yes. And and from my perspective, when I've had these kind of visitation dreams, this person seems so tangible, so real. And, and like you, it's given me great comfort and great solace. I know for, a, I mean, I know from my experience that there were times when energetically my husband was in the bed with me mm-hmm. because his side of the bed would vibrate. Mm-hmm. And I didn't personally just experience this. Yes. My daughter would come home. She was living out of state then. She would sometimes get in the bed, and we would talk about Jay and that side of the bed, and she would be on it, would start to vibrate, and she would <laughs> feel it as well. So it, they are very real, and I think it's our loved one's way, you know, of making themselves known to us and a yes. parent yes. and giving us comfort for the dark days ahead. I think that that's true. And, and so, Sherry, in your book, you talk about how we can invite these kinds of dreams, these visitations. Can you speak a little bit about how we can maybe um, open our mind and set the intention to experience these kinds of uh, relationships in our uh, sleep state? Right. That's a great question. I've, I've actually had people lament mm-hmm. who've lost loved ones. Oh, I feel so bad. I've never had a visitation dream. And Mm -hmm. not everyone does. And what I would say, though, is this. First of all, if you want your uh, beloved or your loved one to come visit you, ask them. Just ask them like a little prayer. Say, Susan, I would love if you would come to me in a dream. And keep asking them so they, you know, that can get manifested. Then I would recommend that you keep a little notebook and pen next to where you sleep. And the thing about dreams is we all do dream every night. And so when someone says, oh, no one's ever come to me in a dream, Mm 
What I probably think about that is, well, they probably have come to you in a dream. It's just that you slept through it. <laughs> so people say to me all the time, oh, I never dream. Well, yeah, actually, we know from sleep research, <laughs> we dream every night. Yes. So we need to train our brains to remember our dreams. Yes. And at night, I will say to myself, okay, I want to remember my dreams. Wake me up when I have a dream. Wake me up when there's a message. Wake me up when Jay or my mom or dad or sister or dog want to come say hi. And then when you wake up with a dream, be sure to write it down. That's so important. Because by the next morning, after you go back to sleep, your brain will often go in a different sleep stage. And by the next morning, the memory of that dream, if you have not written it down, may be very faint. Yes. And then you'll feel regretful. Yes, yes. So um, there's a, a point that you made in your book, and I hadn't uh, – I've done a lot of dream work myself and studied it and participated in it and, and had wonderful experiences with it. But you also say, before you go to sleep, imagine their face. Imagine, imagine their, their face. face. And I've done this the last couple of nights with my friend that committed suicide, holding his face in my hands and just yeah. feeling him in my mind's eye very tangibly and saying, please come visit me. Mm-hmm. And I want to see you and connect with you and celebrate and dance. And, and it's been very effective. Yes. Yeah. Seeing their face. Um, you know, for many, for many nights, and sometimes I still do, I slept with Jay's picture on his, you know, next to my bed, too, with my little journal and my pen. And just, you know, sometimes I'll bring the picture of my mom and dad or my sister or dog. I mean, just surrounding yourself and getting their face sort of in your mind's eye. You know, and it's also, I think, your way of saying to them, you're still in my life. I haven't forgotten you. You know, I know people that that have lost loved ones in their family that every so often, maybe not every day, but maybe every Sunday, set a place for them at the table. Oh, that's sweet. And it's yeah. just a way, it's just their way of saying, you know, we remember you. You're a part of us. We continue to have a relationship with you. That's so important for us, or for our healing, and also for the person, soul on the other side who's, you know, transitioned. So I um, used to think, and this was misguided, that by virtue of my tears and grieving, it was revealing to the one that had died that I still loved him, but it sounds like there's a more effective and skilled way of maintaining that relationship other than just stewing in that devastation and loss and, and um, grief. Well, yeah, you mean the friend that you had that died from suicide? Yes, I, I cried for three years. And it was because I think in some uh, unconscious way or subconscious way, I was trying to prove to him that I missed him and that I loved him. But maybe yeah. I could have done this in a more skilled fashion. Well, you know... Everyone, I do think everyone has their own journey with grief and loss and bereavement. Mm -hmm. And no two of us grieve the same way. I do think that. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I think it's also very hard to lose a friend. And I also think losing someone to suicide, there's a sort of particular kind of grief to that. And, you know, it's it's in the news now because, you know, several high-profile people have yes, killed true. themselves, you know, fairly recently. Right. I, I, and, and, and I think maybe for the person who does die by suicide, after they're gone, they may feel a sense of guilt or shame. We may feel a sense of guilt because we didn't know, we thought we should have, yes. you know. So I think suicide is, I think there's almost a, a, a unique quality to sort of processing uh, the loss of someone from suicide because it brings up so many emotions. Yeah, it's, um, it's complex. It's complex. It, it's complex very complex. It's very complex. And one of the things that I guess has helped me personally, and, and maybe this will help listeners too, is I think we all think somehow we should be able to save people. Like we should be able to save our friend from suicide. I should have been able to save my husband from stage four cancer. And Lord knows I tried for a while. I mean, I went over the top in terms of things that I tried to do to get get him healed. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, one of the things I think I've come to realize is that just like in grief, you know, we're all on our own journey with grief. We're, we are all on our own soul journey here. We choose when is the best time for us to be born, and we decide when is the best time for us to let go and transition. And we all have spiritual lessons to learn. And so I think that some of us stay around longer and some of us leave sooner because we're learning spiritual lessons. Mm-hmm. I think that's absolutely true, that we each have our own very individualized curriculum that from this side of the veil we cannot understand or comprehend, and we're not really meant to. We just have to, I've found um, solace in simply knowing that there are particular curriculums and it's between each of us and God. Mm-hmm. and just it's just relaxing into that space of faith and knowing that we are all loved and adored and on our own journey. Yes. And that really the universe supports us all. Yes. You know, if we can just trust that even in these really difficult times, dark nights of the soul, hardships, you know, because loss is supposed to involve hardship, the universe really is there to support us. You know, not to undermine us and just, I like your word, Tammy, relax into that. Mm-hmm. That's so important. We want to seize control, though, but, you know, control is really just an illusion. Yes, it is. So just I, I relax. Like mass addiction and illusion. An yes. addiction and an illusion, yes. Yes. <laughs> so it's what we do when we get very anxious. I'll take yeah. control. <laughs> Yes, absolutely, and it's it doesn't work. It's an illusion. No. Yeah, I like um, you know when Einstein asked the most important question we can ask and answer for ourselves is the universe a safe and loving place or not? And as I've continued to believe and explore and relax into the fact that it is, gosh, life works so much better. Mm-hmm. You know, 
even if we don't like what we're seeing on this side of the veil, in the end, just like you're saying, Sherry, we are loved, we are supported, Mm -hmm. we are adored. Mm -hmm. And so, Sherry, we just have a couple minutes left. I want you to be able to do a shout out and let people know where they can find you and pick up a copy of your incredible book, Sweet Sorrow. Oh, thank you so much. So my website is www.sherry, S-H-E-R-R-Y, Cormier, C-O-R-M-I-E-R, author, A-U-T-H-O-R.com. And I am also available on Amazon where I have an author page. I have a Sweet Sorrow Facebook page. And uh, you can just with a click, really, order Sweet Sorrow at your favorite online retailer like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million. Perfect. I just appreciate you so much. And there's so much more I want to talk to you about. I've got all these other questions. So I'm excited about getting you back on the show in the next month or so and continuing our very... Um, conscious, wonderful, loving conversation. I just want you to know how much I appreciate and adore you and respect your soul's contracts and the path you've walked, Sherry. And and I feel the same way about you. And I feel, I just feel that it's been a pleasure, a deep pleasure, a deep resonance, really, I felt in being on your shows today, a deep resonance with you. And I wish you and all your listeners the best as you go through life, and I wish you love, joy, and hope. That's so beautiful, and I, too, feel a deep connection and um, just soul recognition with you, Sherry, and appreciate you, and look forward to having you back, and to my listeners, I'm so grateful for your presence in my life. I think relationship is how we heal, we give hope, we get to know ourselves, and um, I love being on this path with you, and hopefully... Um, we're connecting. Be in touch with me, TammyBPHD.com. Questions, thoughts, comments, be with me on Facebook. I love connecting with you. So just know you're my heart meditation of prayers. I'm sending you blessings of grace, ease, peace, light, and great love. God bless you on your path, onward and upward. Bye for now. <laughs> 